Welcome, friends, to the Timeless Motherhood podcast, where we talk about biblical motherhood that doesn't cave to culture and has stood the test of time. I'm your host, Kaylee Weichbrot, and today we're going to be chatting with Marin Schumann, a mom of six under six. We're going to be talking about military wife life, deployments, adoption, and how God proved his faithfulness during one of the most challenging seasons of her life. It's an incredible story. And though she is my youngest guest to date, her deep and abiding affection for the Lord is so evident in everything that she shares. And I know that this episode is going to bless you. I want to quickly mention that Marin has an Etsy shop called Marin Makes, where she sells gorgeous head scarves and head coverings, quilts, and adorable baby blankets. She makes everything herself while wrangling her six kiddos. So if you'd like to support her, I'll leave it linked below. If this show blesses you, I'd love it if you'd leave a review or even share it with a friend that you think could use some encouragement. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Timeless Motherhood Podcast. Thank you so much, Maren, for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Maren Schumann. I'm married to my awesome husband, Michael. He just got out of the military, so we are kind of starting a little bit of a new uncharted life, I guess, that we were not anticipating living yet, but here we are, and we've got six kids spanning from, my oldest is almost six, and then my youngest is four months. I always say we got a party at our house 24-7, but that's that's a little bit about us. I stay at home with my kiddos, and we're about to go into homeschool land as my oldest is now hitting school age. So I feel like I'm always starting something new, learning something new, but that's about where (laughs) we're at right now. That's so awesome. Yeah, we got connected through Instagram when I became a military spouse about four years ago. And I was just looking for other military moms to follow. And when I found your account, you were in the throes of foster care, as well as being pregnant with your twins. (laughs) So talk a little bit about that season of life being in Colorado and being in the military, but also choosing to foster. Yeah, that I chuckle because it's just hilarious looking back at what God enabled us to endure as we were seeking him. Because I look back at that and I think, how did I do that? But as I was walking through it, his grace really was sufficient every single day. And his mercies were new every morning. And it did not feel quite as daunting at the time as I look back at what (laughs) I imagine it to be now. But we decided to pursue foster care, even though we were in the military, because we had a home. God had given us a four-bedroom home on Fort Carson, and we were didn't have any kids at the time when we got it, and we were baffled at how we could have possibly gotten a four-bedroom house. And we were like, you know what? I bet God wants to fill these rooms. So we pursued foster care wow. before we had any kids and just never heard back from anybody, which is hilarious also because we were trying to be obedient, but God knew that that was not the right time for us. And the foster system is super overwhelmed. And we were just shocked that it was so hard to get in touch with somebody to help us get licensed. But God knew my husband was about to deploy. And it ended up being a big blessing that he closed that door for that season. And then about two years later, he got home and I had my first child. And 
you know, we felt pretty comfortable again. And we were like, all right, it's time for us to pursue foster care again. And we did. And everything just fell into place in three months. We were licensed. So it was really cool and encouraging to see. And I've seen this time and time again in our life that even when we are seeking to be obedient, God is going to faithfully close the door. If it's not the right time or if it's not what's best, we can step forward in obedience knowing that he will close the door, you know? But if we don't step forward in obedience and it is the right time and we should be doing it, then we're missing out on a chance to obey. So I love getting to look back at that that season of his not yet versus his yes and how things just fell into place. And so yeah. we said yes again. We said yes to, I think, three placements that all kind of fell through before we finally got Joseph, our son who we have now adopted, took three and a half years to adopt him. But I think we were licensed for five months before we got our first placement, which also shocked me. But looking back, it was cool to see God preserving our home for the child that he wanted to put there. And so Joseph came to us from the NICU and we knew my husband was deploying again, but we chose to take the placement anyways. And I really wanted to be pregnant at that time. My daughter was 18 months old, and we'd been trying to get pregnant before he deployed, and it just was, I had made up my mind. I was like, ah, it's just not going to happen. And so I was thankful we got to have a newborn placement so I could kind of channel that bit of maternal energy, I guess, just that desire of my heart to love on a baby, even though it was not my own. So we took that placement. And it all felt very right. You know, it did not feel overwhelming at all. It was basically what I felt like I had wanted. And then my husband deployed. And two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with twins. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, (laughs) which is hilarious. Again, looking back at the faithfulness of the Lord, because I know that if I had been pregnant with twins, there's no way we would have taken that foster placement you know, especially knowing, oh, I'm going to be pregnant with twins, probably going to be a more complicated pregnancy. We're not going to take any placements. And we wouldn't have sweet Joseph in our life if God's timing had been any different than it was. So walking out that season of life in faith, I will say it was very hard because Joseph was hospitalized at one point because he was premature and he had just some issues being a baby born in a situation that was not ideal. And so he was hospitalized. I was navigating, you know, parenting a toddler, having a foster child at the hospital, being super sick, pregnant, and my husband was gone. But just shameless plug for the church here, because (laughs) let me tell you, I could not have survived that and looked fondly back on that season of life had it not been for our community. Between our officers, Christian Fellowship Group, they were like family to us. They even made a, oh gosh, I think it was a spreadsheet or something, but where people could log on and sign (laughs) up to come help me and bring food. And I could take Joseph to his visits with his parents because there was, you know, three to five days a week of visitation I had to take him to. So to stay home with my toddler or to take Joseph to his visits, I mean, it was just incredible to see the tangible hand of God. It was almost as if Christ himself was, makes me emotional to think about, as if Christ himself was reaching, reaching out 
and giving me a big hug and ministering to me himself just through his people. And yeah, I always encourage military spouses especially, it's hard, but you've got to find a church and you've got to dig your roots, even though you know those relationships are going to be gone at some point physically. Those are your people, and that's who God has given to you in that season to minister to you. And for you as well, you have gifts that you get to give to other people. And just because you're transient or just because you know you're going to probably move in two or so years, that doesn't mean it's not worth building those relationships and and doing those things. So yeah, shameless plug for the local church. I could not have survived without those people. And Yeah. yeah, it was just miraculously even how my husband was able to be home for the birth of the twins his commander the big high the highest up commander had said nobody will go home for the birth of their children during this deployment and so i had made up my mind that okay we're gonna do this like my expectation was that he would not be there and he lo and behold just so happened to be one of two guys that qualified for a a certain training thing in the entire brigade. So he actually got to come back to the States for that training. And while he was there, I went into preterm labor. He got to come be with me. Had he not been in the States at that time, I don't think he would have been able to come. And then his commander told him, you know what, you're already there. You can just stay because the twins were going to be born within a few weeks anyway. So that was a miracle in and of itself again. And just getting to look back over how many impossible things God worked out for us in ways I could have never even thought were a factor, you know? I'm sure in those moments, you weren't expecting the best outcome, you know, right? I mean, you were prepared for walking faithfully through what looked inevitable, which was giving birth to twins alone without your husband. Who did you have as support? And this might sound silly. One of my favorite phrases right now is faithfully irresponsible (laughs) because a lot of things that we've done and we've been married almost seven years, even in how we dated and got married, we known each other for eight months before we got married. Like it was just quick. And a lot of the ways we've gone about life, a lot of people would might say that's irresponsible. But when we are walking with the Lord and we're walking by the Spirit and we're in His Word and we're getting counsel and we're being as faithful as we know how to be, even in those situations, what looks like to other people irresponsible ends up being an opportunity for the Lord to really show up. And so I did not have, again, this sounds nuts, but I just knew God was going to show up. And so I was not worried about trying to perfectly plan my mom being there at just the right time or my mother-in-law being there at just the right time. And I had emergency plans, obviously, like if I went into labor, I had a neighbor and another friend on the road that I would call. But I just knew when it came down to it, it was all going to work out. And it totally did. So my mom, I knew, could fly out, you know, at any moment. So when I actually went into preterm labor, I called my mom and she was on a flight because my husband still was he wasn't back yet i called my mom and she flew out and got in the next morning so one of our dear friends stayed at the house that night slept on our couch in case the kids needed anything so michael could be with me in the hospital when he got back from that training thing anyways it was 
just a tangled web of everything working out perfectly, and I could not have planned it. So I feel like I probably had the bare minimum set up in terms of I had a few emergency contacts and I knew my mom could come, but that was basically my plan was to let God care for me, and he more than did so. Talking about preparation, in my Bible study this past week, we were talking about, you know, being prepared for suffering. What has your faith journey looked like? Because I feel like it's difficult to just get to a place. You you don't simply arrive to a place with God where you're like, I trust you, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're just falling and everything's working out. Like that takes suffering. It takes struggle to see God's faithfulness over and over. So can you share what has your faith journey looked like for you to get to such a place of strength in the Lord? Yeah. That's so, it's such a hard truth to wrap our minds around because we're people that just loves comfort and we're constantly seeking the most comfortable route, which I think is natural and it's not necessarily wrong. But what comes to mind is that verse says the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And it's just like any relationship in real life, any friendship, when things get hard, that's when you learn. That's when the faith is built. That's when your trust in someone and they come through for you or you come through for somebody else. That is when it's really forged that those relationships are really strengthened. And I think it's kind of the same way with the Lord. He knows in his sovereignty, exactly what situations we need to encounter in order to die to ourselves, in order to purge those parts of our flesh that are clinging on to the things of this world where we're helpless and we have to put our faith in him. And I think that's something I didn't understand very well growing up because, you know, growing up, we're similar ages, I think. I grew up in the Bible Belt, and so it was really easy to be a Christian. It was really easy to—and it was smiled upon, not frowned upon, to love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And as I grew up and kind of got out of that bubble a little bit, especially I had a season of rebellion in high school and early in my freshman year of college, really, the world just felt so attractive to me. And I ran after that instead, seeking comfort in the wrong things and kind of had to hit a rock bottom without going too deep into the story. I um, pretty tragically ended up pregnant my freshman year of college at the very end of that first semester. And the circumstances surrounding it were pretty devastating. And I remember crying out to the Lord in my car. I was sobbing and I was like, okay, God, I thought I knew you, but clearly if this is where I'm at right now, I must have missed something. And I don't even know. I thought I prayed that prayer right, you know, and I I thought I, I don't even know what to pray right now, God, but you're going to have to show yourself to me. And that was like my, my prayer of a surrender at the rock bottom. And he carried me through that really hard season. I kept it completely a secret. I was very ashamed and I kept it a secret. I told my mom and I slowly told my dad and my grandparents and my brother. And I think I told maybe two or three friends. I went to a Christian girl in my sorority who I knew was a Christian. And I was like, I'm a mess. This is where I'm at. And I just need help. And she discipled me that second semester of my freshman year. That was 
huge for me learning how to study my Bible and see what who is God really? You know, it's one thing to hear a sermon on, uh, I kind of grew up going to a church that was like, here's a sermon with a Bible verse attached on how to manage your money well. You know, it was more of like a <laughs> yep. self-helpy type thing instead of who is God? And so learning who he was through his word and discipleship in that season of devastation really was where the roots of well, maybe the, the roots of my faith were there, but the, the sprouts started to shoot up and start to bear some fruit then. And I, I ended up placing that sweet little girl for adoption. She'll be nine this year. And God orchestrated that private situation very beautifully. And I'm I'm a little bit more open about that now, but that's definitely not something most people know about me. But that going into my journey of motherhood and my faith as well getting to see how God puts these desires in us in very unique ways. Like I kind of entered motherhood in a very, very strange way. And then having to go back to school, I had her over the summer and I had a ton of health issues as well. And so I was able to kind of play off of that, you know, without lying. I could just tell people I got a lot of health stuff going on, which was after she was born, all of my health issues that I had previously had were miraculously gone. And I went back to my immunologist and he was like, I can't explain it, but your blood work looks great. So God even took care of that for me through those hard circumstances. But seeing him orchestrate a situation like that for his glory, where my sin and the sin of somebody else, and he redeemed it when I gave it to him and said, I can't, I don't know what to do with this. You're going to have to help me seeing him redeem such a dark situation, really, it's like a friendship being tested by the fire you see. Yeah. Anyway, so how can I not trust the Lord after that, right? (laughs) And so my plan in life was to be a nurse and to then be a nurse practitioner. And I knew that I should probably have a family and I really wanted to be married. (laughs) But my plan was mostly to, to be a nurse. And maybe one day when I had kids, I'd work on nights and weekends. So that was kind of my plan. And so I had my daughter on what would have been the first day of nursing school for me because I got into nursing school a year early. And so I placed her for adoption a week later, less than a week later, I was moving into my apartment and starting nursing school, which now I look back and I'm like, that was insane. I should not have done that, but I did. And so uh, after experiencing motherhood, after having a baby, I tried to shove myself right back into that cookie cutter that I thought I wanted for my life. And anyone who's had a child knows it is impossible. You're changed forever. Even even women who have miscarriages or who are pregnant and never get to meet their baby, you know, on this side of heaven, they're cha- we're all changed forever the moment that we experience, I don't know, being a mother or knowing that we that we've carried life. And so I went back to nursing school and I was doing really well, but I hit my labor and delivery clinical rotation and I, I couldn't do it. There is so much healing that I had not done that just being in that labor and delivery unit, I couldn't, I literally could not do it without having a panic attack, basically. So I decided to drop out of nursing school and I had no idea what I was going to do. Because I was in college for this specific degree, I had placed my daughter for adoption so that I could pursue that 
degree. And um, I just, I was like, oh no, did I make the wrong choice? Like what? Anyway, so that dream of mine, I felt like I was back at square one. I had no idea what I was going to do. So I ended up transferring schools after that semester. I decided to take that semester off and I was like, well, maybe I'll go back. And the fire for being a nurse was just gone. And part of that too was actually going into a hospital setting and starting to work. Like I, I could do it and I was very good at it, but it was not the kind of helping people that I had envisioned it to be. And so I decided to pursue a degree at a different college of child and family development because I felt like that was more tapping into now this new maternal thing <laughs> instinct maybe that had grown yeah. in me because I did not have that before. I didn't even really like babysitting growing up. So it was, this was just a huge shift, like a 180 in my attitude yeah. towards children and family and all that. So anyways, I transferred to this school and started taking classes and was thinking, okay, now that I've done the adoption route, I've, I've been the birth mother. I could be such an incredible support for other birth mothers and to be a social worker and facilitate, you know, hopefully helping these mothers who are, you know, different situation from me, but who have had their children taken away from them for one reason or another, to be able to help counsel them and be a part of hopefully the rehabilitation of a family. Like that sounds great to me, right? So I felt like that tapped much more into those strengths of mine and God kind of started to develop that in me. And I met my husband there at that school the first week of church there. I just went to the church that all my roommates went to. And lo and behold, I met him in line at a fellowship meal. So, yep. And then we were, we got married about eight months later. And a few months after that, I was pregnant with my first. And he was, we found out he was going to be deploying basically right away once we got to our first duty station, because he was ROTC. So that's how we got involved in, in the army situation. And just having to look back at, okay, God got me through these hard times when I trusted in him and I cried out to him and it wasn't all pretty, right? You know, a lot of it is, God, where are you? I don't feel you at all. You know, there's just this really raw crying out to him so often. And it's not this pretty packaged bow of, oh yeah, I just trust God. The end. <laughs> there's there's a lot right. of tears sometimes involved in that process. But after having walked through that, I could say, okay, I'm pregnant. My husband's going to be gone. He's probably not going to be here for the birth. God's going to, I'll survive. Like I know he's going to be faithful to me. And so he was faithful in that situation as well. And um, it's just been this cascade of Almost like that verse in Luke, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Like you've been faithful with a little, now I will set you over much. And so it's like you you pass one little faithfulness test, walking with the Lord, and you don't get to just coast easy peasy after that. You know, it's like when you pass a math test, that shows you get to move on to harder material. You know, it's like, okay, now you're ready for the more challenging stuff. And it just kind of, a lot of times the circumstances get harder. But the fruit that's born on the other side of it is greater. And so I've definitely seen that to be true in my life. You know, we're doing things now that I would have never dreamed of. Like six kids age six and under, that sounds impossible, you know, to old me. But now it's like he's enabling me and our family to do things that we otherwise would have. Even my husband 
getting out of the military is scary. There's a lot of financial security and there's a lot of, you know, there's a big retirement at the end that looks pretty good. And if you just make it 20 years, you can have that security too. And even just choosing to take a leap of faith and stepping out of that world was something we definitely did not think we would ever do. So yeah, that's the nutshell of my faith journey really and some of the circumstances and how that relates to motherhood as well for me yeah that is so incredible and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that i know personally having a history of sexual sin i feel like that's maybe the most shameful to talk about openly and say like the lord brought me through but it's just really beautiful to see the way that god used that to transform your life and just watching you from from afar from social media and seeing these little glimpses into your life over the past couple of years the challenges that god has brought you through and just the things that you've shared have really encouraged me in my walk because I've just seen you go through seasons of growing in discipline and diligence, having family worship with all of your little kiddos, <laughs> getting into homemaking, you know, this this kind of evolution towards yeah. being more self-sufficient and learning skills and trades. And you talked recently about your daughter was mimicking you yeah. and playing mom. And how you had to kind of evaluate your discipline Mm -hmm. in just the way that you've always gone back to the word to course correct. Mm -hmm. So can you can you talk a little bit about how you do that or or what that looks like? Yeah, I would love to. Full disclosure, I am 28 years old and I imagine one day you're one year older than me. (laughs) I imagine one day when I am 68 years old, I will probably say still say, I don't know what I'm doing, but in so much as I have the word of God to guide me, I feel pretty good about, you know, how things are going. But yeah, getting to see my children playing family is one, hilarious, but two, getting to see the little nuances of their behavior and basically being a mirror back to me because our kids are basically mirrors of us, right? And a lot of the things, if I'm honest, that I hate seeing in my kids are things that I have to work on or things that my husband has to work. Like it's our weaknesses that are being displayed in their weakness. You know, their weaknesses show us where our weaknesses are as well. And there are two ways we can go about that. One, we can just hate that, you know, and refuse to take responsibility for it and refuse to repent of it refuse to see it for what it is, or we can just take a humble approach to it and say, oh my goodness, yeah, she's being pretty harsh playing mommy. She sounds pretty angry. I'm probably disciplining in my anger more so, or I'm yelling to, that was the thing it was, was she was shouting. And I've always said, "I gosh, I do not want to be a yelly mom. Like I, I don't want to yell. <laughs> Yeah. And seeing her shouting at her siblings, you know, saying, don't do that or whatever. I was like, oh, my goodness, I've turned into a yelly mom. And so in that moment, getting to say, hey, guys, I see that I've been yelling. I'm so sorry. Like, will you please forgive me? And being able to be humble and take responsibility for that, not only does it model the 
repentance and forgiveness that's required of salvation, you know, in the gospel, but it, it does make us more approachable to our kids. And we don't, because we don't want our relationship with them to be one only of fear. My husband and I are teaching our children. We are showing our kids what God is like. So if we are harsh and angry with them, we're not modeling to them a God that is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And coming back to what is the end goal? You know, it's you got to begin with the end in mind. So the end that I have in mind is that I have not seen the fruit of yet, you know, is I, I want children that love the Lord and fear God and love to obey God. I, I want my children to grow up to love obeying, not just begrudgingly obey, you know? So if they're begrudgingly obeying me, that's a conversation that I need to have with them about, hey, you know what? We can't begrudgingly obey God one day. And I even had a conversation with my daughter this morning about delayed gratification. Basically, she really wanted to do something today that she's probably not going to get to do. And she kept bugging about it and kept bugging about it and getting to sit down and say, hey, you know what? This is very good practice for you because one day when you're a grown up, the Lord might say no, or he might say not yet for something that you really, really want. And it's yeah. a good practice now. Practice with me when I say no, not yet. Pretend, you know, you're, you are obeying God when you obey me. And one day you're going to have to do the same thing. And I gave her an example of one time when I had to wait for something. And so just always thinking about what is it, what are we doing as moms? You know, our, our goal is to produce these children that love and obey God and love to obey God. And so that really helps me with my mothering figuring out what should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing with the things that aren't explicit in scripture? Yeah. And it takes knowing your own children, oh, yeah. you know, leaning in to disciple who they are specifically. Oh yeah. And which is the hardest part yeah. because again, we want the easy road. And I remember I kind of figured out how my first, my first child worked and my second child is very different and the twins are very different and they're all so different. They have different strengths, different weaknesses that we can't just shove them into the same mold. I have one child who I can discipline that child and just stone-faced about it. Just very, very strong <laughs> will. And then there's another child yeah. where I look at that child sideways at, with disapproval and crumbles, you know? So it's just learning <laughs> yeah. that, which is very hard very hard to do, but it that's what bears the fruit. I've heard someone once say, picture yourself as a parent as the supporting character in your child's story. Because in our story, we're the main character in the life that we're living. And I often group my children together because to me, it's like the kids, right? They're all little. Right. They all kind of, they all need food. You know, it's just, it's kind of like having <laughs> a bunch of puppies or something. You know, it's like, okay, this is the puppies. It's the kids. But to them, they have each have their own lens through which they're looking. They are individuals. And I really have to be careful about that with the twins in particular, not just treating them all as one cohesive group. You know what I mean? And just remembering that this is their childhood. Like I'm shaping a childhood right now. You know, we all look back at our shaping childhood experiences and that's what's happening right now in my home. And Maybe I thought it would feel different. Like I thought it would feel more weighty, 
I guess like I don't know. I guess I thought it would feel different, less mundane. Yeah, yeah. Like I, <laughs> yeah, more like oh, I recognize I'm in a special moment right yes. now, and I've had those wake up moments <laughs> where I'm like, oh no, this is an opportunity for me to create one of those special Amen. moments. Yes, or it can just be mundane. Yeah, it's like these yeah. these are the moments they're happening right now. <laughs> yeah. So in this very busy season of life where you have six under six and you're looking to God's word for guidance, and I, I'm i just like, Lord, I don't know if this is the season where I have this like quiet time. Yeah. But then I am confronted with your reality. And it's like, if someone in your position makes the time to have time with the Lord, like, what is my excuse? So <laughs> practically... How do you have quiet time? What does that God time look like for you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm laughing because I don't have quiet time. But I, I, there's quiet time and then there's time with God. And learning to yeah. separate those two things has definitely been a journey for me. You know, there's college Marin that got to go sit in the coffee shop for three hours and do an inductive Bible study with my espresso and then there's me likewise nursing my baby first thing in the morning and on the way to the gym I listen to I do the bible reading challenge which goes through the I think it's the full bible in one year plus psalms and proverbs and the epistles a couple times I don't know it's more than it's the bible in a year plus and I just listen I listen to it on the way to the gym and on the way home, it's about 12 minutes. <laughs> and on the way home from the gym, I pray for my day and just learning like that's the season I'm in and trusting that that's enough. And it often doesn't feel like enough, yeah. you know? And so there yeah. have been a lot of times, even sitting in worship at church when I'm, I got six little kiddos in the pew with me and I'm teaching them how to worship the Lord on Sunday mornings. I don't get to hear sermon. And so even just praying before then, any time that I have with the Lord, okay, God, I'm seeking you. And you've said, if I seek you, I will find you. So just reveal yourself to me and give me a nugget, you know, let just even just one thing stand out to me that I can meditate on today and pray through today. And he always does that, you know, he always makes that time worthwhile. And so that's kind of been my approach to quiet time, I guess. I do love using my nursing time, like when I'm nursing a baby, which I've done a lot over the last couple years, instead of being on my phone, which I'm still not good at this. I'm still on my phone a lot. But instead of being on my phone, having a book or reading my Bible or just taking those moments that are kind of forced sit down time, really, those 15 at least minutes is a time that I could read. (laughs) So being disciplined about using that time correctly is very, very hard. But that is a, an easy way if you're nursing a baby to sneak in some some extra spiritual time. <laughs> yeah, I know the forced rest of nursing. It's like, God, I see what you're doing here. I, I find it really difficult to slow down and take time. But using it properly is also a struggle mm-hmm. because it's just as easy to not use the time for prayer yeah. or Bible study. Yeah. A lot of times the more spiritual practices, those ordinary means of grace of Bible reading and prayer and fellowship, a lot of times it feels unproductive, but really it's we have to shape our minds to see 
I think it's a Martin Luther quote who said, I have a lot to do today. I must spend an extra hour in prayer or something like that. And learning to see prayer and Bible reading and stuff with the Lord as those more spiritual things that enables our physical work. We're a very materialist society, not in the sense that we love material things, but that we've really disconnected the spiritual and the physical. You know, it's like you got this spiritual side and then, you know, you just go to work and you do your work. But really, it is all intertwined, I think, far more than we can even remotely see. And so that's a discipline I am working on currently is really believing that my prayer is effectual, that it's actually doing something that when I pray, Lord, will you please multiply my time today? I'm stressed and I'm exhausted and I don't know how I'm going to get to everything. So please, you know, here's my five loaves and two fish of time, right? <laughs> and energy. I'm, you got to do something with this if, if you want me to be faithful to you today. And so I think that a mindset shift that a lot of times we as mothers struggle with because we are dealing with so many physical needs all the time that it feels like those more spiritual things are disconnected and not productive, but really, you know, that's that's how we turn into that well that is springing up and shooting forth and overflowing and he again he's always faithful to multiply whatever i am asking him for yeah i think that's the shift from complaining prayers to petitioning prayers Mm -hmm. you know going from god this is so awful this is so overwhelming like how am i going to make it through to directly asking God, help me make it through. Show me the way. Show me the path. Give me the strength. Give me my daily bread. I'd love to just cap this off by, I, you know, I don't know who is listening to this, but I just, I want to encourage you, whether you're a single woman who is being faithful in your single womanhood at the moment, or you are married and your husband's deployed and or you're like me and you're in the trenches of mother, little tiny people motherhood, or you're an older woman who is an empty nester and looking back at, you know, grandkids or potential grandkids and all that, wherever you're at in life. I just think it's so beautiful how God has made us women to do very, very specific things with our specific circumstances and husbands and children. And I highly recommend the book Eve in Exile. It's just such a beautiful and encouraging and motivating about biblical womanhood, just very, very practical and thinking about the beauty that we create in the world around us. We're the beautifiers (laughs) here. And so I just want to encourage everyone to just continue to pursue the Lord, even in those faithfully irresponsible situations and just let him do beautiful things with you as you continue to surrender to him and what he says and the truth as opposed to what the world wants us to believe about ourselves. So anyways, I just want to leave everybody with that. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on the podcast and just sharing all of the encouragement that you've shared. I would love to have you pray us out if you don't mind. I would love to. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being who you are, for giving us so many beautiful promises in your word to cling to. We confess that we're often faithless and we don't trust you as we ought to. And so I pray you would just forgive us for our faithlessness and help us to walk in obedience and help us to walk in such a way as bears the fruit of the Spirit 
and reveals you to the world, especially to our, our children and the people around us that we're hoping to influence. And I thank you for the fact that we have technology like this to share our stories with one another and hopefully encourage one another in your word and how you've not only been faithful to us in your word, but you've been by the in the stories in your word, but you've also been faithful to us as individuals living right now. And so we just ask that you would convince us and remind us that Christ is on the throne and that is who we serve. And would you motivate us to continue to glorify you with everything that we do? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Of course. It's great chatting with you. Mm-hmm.